Welcome back to Reclaiming Philippinex Identity Season Finale. Today's episode will be having our recurring guests from episode 6 come back to share and continue where he left off the last time. Especially because the topic on stereotypes, model minority, and in general, the Philippinex diaspora. And in addition to that, this episode will also wrap up the first season's first episode where I briefly shared about my personal testimony with reclaiming Philippinex identity. Not only that, this episode will also transition into my second podcast channel called Subtle Eloquent Retreat. So, what are you guys waiting for? I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the episode. I want to include this part in the podcast because it's kind of funny and it re- it it involves Manung Dean. Oh no. <laughs> uh, he's cool. So. Manong Dean, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Manong Dean is cool. But it was, it was after one of the semesters. I'm not sure which one. At the end of the semester celebration. And I can tell you, I can speak better when I'm drunk. I can speak a lot better when I'm drunk because I'm sober. I'm going to use that as my excuse for now. If Manong Dean remembers, then yes, he knows I can speak a little better <laughs> when I'm drunk. But Ed Milk texted me and she was like, hey, we're having a party for the Ilocana. I think 301 or something. Could have been 301. I'm not super sure. I was like, okay, cool. Show. Are you guys in 301 now? No, they're in 301 now. I'm in 4. Yeah, they, they, they're very... Um, Ilocano class is very fun and wild. Yeah, Just it really is. <laughs> just not the 400 this semester. <laughs> How many students are in the 400 this semester? Uh, four of us. This this semester, four. And then last semester was six of us. It was with Manong Ariel. And then this one was mm. with Manong Nijin. But it was all online. So it's just, we don't see uh, each other. I see. Yeah, the 400, it kind of topples off after like the 300s, yeah. Mm, yeah. And most of us in the 400 were, some of us were placement. And then some were... They went from Ilocano 101, but there was only a few of them. Mm, I see. Hopefully more students join and not be ashamed to just speak their culture because it's not, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, plus two, it makes a little more sense if that's already a language that you speak because if you place in, you already get preceding credits, so. Yeah. It's good for those if, students. If you understand a little bit, like, in 201, they go over everything you learned in Ilocano 101, so it's okay. Yeah. You're not wrong on that one. <laughs> and it's fun. It's like, it's one of your chillest classes. You, if you need a de-stress yeah. class, take Ilocano. Most, mainly a lot of people in Hawaii are Ilocanos. You can understand. Just take the class. Yeah, that, that is very true. That's why I was like, I feel like we, if we had, we didn't have this COVID quarantine, if we can have like just a presentation of Timpoyu in general, to campus center and have students because there's a lot of Filipino students who are in Lakana New Age. It's just no one. Yeah. Everyone is ashamed. It's like, why? Why am I gonna take Ilocano? Like, it's okay. My parents can teach. It's like, but the fun of it is like you can learn it with others. The more you learn it yeah. with others, the more comfortable you guys are. And then like, I read something earlier that Asians are comfortable with other Asians about being themselves. That's the same thing in mm-hmm. Filipino. Like, if you're together, you struggle together. You have fun together. Yeah. <sighs> so it was. It's kind of funny that you bring that up because when 
I switched majors and I like I, I had to take two years of language. When I told my parents that I'm choosing Ilocano, you know, they were like, they're, that's super cool. You know, my parents were very supportive of it. But um, so my other relatives were kind of like, why are you taking Ilocano from school? You know, like, why didn't you learn it at home? Da, 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 da. So, I mean, it's kind of the, the, the reaction, I guess, to me taking Ilocano. Is... So, I mean, I can kind of see why some people may be, you know, a little ashamed to take. Um, they might be kind of, you know, ashamed to take their native tongue because, you know, the question is, you know, why didn't you learn it at home? Or, you know, kind of things like that. It also goes to, like, if you do, like, learn it from home, like, your your parents would be like, why learn Ilocano? Like, they'll, they'll still have that colonial mindset. And, like, they'll be like, just learn how I, how I speak. But everyone is different in how they learn. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Also, too, the Ilocano that, um, you know, we learned, or, well, I don't actually know where you placed into it, so... That may be an umbrella term that doesn't particularly apply to you, but um, so the Ilocano that so like when you take 101, 102, 201, 202, when like when when I would be doing my homework and I would ask my parents for help, like there are very subtle differences between like Malang Clem, she referred to it as like deep Ilocano, so I guess over time certain words change, like change out for certain other things, so. Even if, like, learning at home versus learning at school have a slightly different Ilocano. I guess that's the best way I can put it. I, yeah, in, in layman's terms, honestly, learning from home and what you learn in Ilocano, it, it is very different. Because being in 400, just reading the articles that Manong Nidin said and Manong Ariel, it's different like the way the articles that they sent from when i show it to like my parents the elocano is very deep it's this but then um it's i really i really suggest anyone who is elocano and like just were born in america if you have if there's an opportunity take it because yeah you will learn much more and I see that with like the people that I met in Timbuyug and in the people that I met in Ilocano 300, I can guarantee like, I don't know their stories now, but just looking at from the outside looking in, it really made a difference in how they understand what's going on with everything. Mm-hmm. And same with you, like just listening to your half story, like I can tell like you learn a lot. I like to think I learned a lot, because otherwise I just wasted like two years, but... <laughs> Even though you forgot Ilocano, it's okay as long as it gave you a whole different perspective. That's the entire purpose of language. Yeah. I think I retained a lot more understanding than I did speaking. Mm-hmm. So, like, granted, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I can understand better that I can speak it. So, I mean, that's already one step in a better direction, especially for my family who you know, don't speak English very well. I mean, I can I can talk to them a little better. Granted, I can't always respond properly. I like I can you know it's about it's something. It's something already. You took IP three six four, right? You learned about yes, mod- model minority. Um, yes, <laughs> possibly. Is that like a confident oh. yes or? What was the, the like... word that you proceeded minority with? Model minority. Maybe not particularly that. But we did go over in terms of minority, yes. What's your opinion on it? Like the classification of minority? Or I guess 
to make it when it comes to like model minority with Filipinos, what's your what's your take on? There's a good chance that I didn't actually learn it in that way, but just we can continue on it. Just I want to make sure. So model minority meaning like so it's it's just the word model preceding minority that's kind of tripping me model minority in a sense that there's a label when it comes to being filipino like a stereotype like a when i say like model minority stereotype like in filipino like there's certain implication of how we grew up to be like like we have to fit that certain standard oh okay gotcha really random who did you take ip364 with me yes I took it with Kuya Jason. Gotcha. Okay. Who did you take it with? Uh, Malang Nadine. Oh. But um, in her particular semester, uh, it was kind of a last minute change. So the, um, I guess the lesson plan was a little... Strange in what way? It was... I mean, I'm not bad-mouthing Malang Nadine. You know, she did a really good job. Granted, it was such a last minute decision mm-hmm. that she would take... Um, she, she would take responsibility to teach IP364. As far as I knew, our curriculum was slightly different than, um, I think it was Manong Dean was also teaching that. But yeah, I mean, in terms of our semester, we didn't really call it model minority. It was kind of just stereotypes in general. Yeah, for the marketing category. So as far as what are my thoughts on model minority stereotypes, I'm gonna say that like, the stereotypes, not the ones that we give ourselves, but people label us to be, I think are earned. Like the stereotype that is really random, but like the stereotype that like Filipinos are loud. I can honestly say that it's probably because someone witnessed a Filipino on the phone, especially, and they are very loud because that's my mom and my dad whenever they're talking. Like in, in comparison, when I'm on the phone, I, I personally try to keep a little more quiet. They not. Not saying that's a bad thing, but I mean, like off the top of my head, that's a that's a very like quintessential Filipino stereotype. Other than like some of the other cliches, like um, the the cliche Filipino accent. Um, if you're a Filipino, you live in very particular areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, diet stuff. Diet. As in, like we eat dogs. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's so old. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, those, those little cliche stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we kind of earned it. I shouldn't I mean, say we, because I, I spent, like, the entire podcast last time talking about how I'm not, like, part of it. But, like, Filipinos in general have kind of earned their stereotypes. Not because, like, everyone is like that, but because of, you know, a very select few that happen to display a behavior that everyone... That, you know... You know Sorry, I just had a, 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 I just had something before I forget it, but I just realized something that, you know, like with all the stereotypes, the model minority that Filipinos like are given, do you do you think that with the stereotypes that they that they are being looked at, what like what if like many Filipinos try to like um I forgot that term, but they try to like um kind of camouflage like their feelings like it like they know it hurts but they just go along mm. with it just to be favored or like or just to get people to talk to them like they they joke around with it even though like mm-hmm. inside like it kind of hurts them like do you think like a lot of the Filipino diaspora community is like kind of like doing that in a way like camouflaging the way they feel 
because also mental health in that terms it's it's still being talked upon but if you put it hand in hand like, does the filipino diaspora camouflage their feeling like what what, what do you think yes that, that's a very solid yes in in my opinion um it's, I, I actually don't remember if it was in ip360 or in ip uh 364 i was taking both of those classes in the same semester really? and i had um yeah <laughs> i had micah in both classes what oh yeah Does he... yeah no okay so no, no i'm sorry well so uh i don't remember which class it was but someone had brought up um uh what's his name frank de lima i'm actually leaning toward that was in ip36 i think it was andre yeah someone brought it up and it's andre um, was it Andre? Yeah, it was Andre. Yeah. So someone had, so yeah, Andre had brought it up and um, Kuya Darren asked, you know, who finds it funny? You know, you know, uh, it was very apparent that, you know, Frank DeLima's jokes, especially pertaining to Filipinos, were aimed at those, you know, particular stereotypes. And it played along on that. It's what make made everyone else laugh because everyone else outside of just the Filipinos kind of thought, oh, haha, that's funny because it's true. Um, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting because when um, Kuya Darren asked who finds it funny, Micah raised her hand. But I do know of a lot of Filipinos who have um, a lot of resentment toward Frank Delima because they find his um, his humor very derogatory. Is probably the not wrong word. It's a little too strong, but for lack of a better word, it's very derogatory in the way he uses the, the stereotypes. Not in a funny way, haha, but isn't it in a teasing way so do filipinos hide it yeah for sure i mean for you to be part of i mean the, the filipino diaspora is everyone who's you know traveled outside of the philippines you know to find you know better life whatever they want you know that they can't necessarily get in the philippines in terms of lifestyle anyways so i mean everywhere around the world there's going to be a filipino who's going to face um you know the majority population who I mean, look at Joe Coy, look at um, uh, Rex Navarrete. You know, these are very prominent um, Filipino comedians who, you know, their comedies kind of span the whole world. So everyone kind of knows to some extent a Filipino stereotype. And I think it's one thing to hear it from a fellow Filipino, but it's another when someone else, you know, for example, when you go to Filipino comes from the Philippines to here in Hawaii and they hear um, a a local person here using that same um that same joke that same punchline i think it's it's a little different you know but for the sake of fitting in because you know that's kind of what you have to do that's probably not the best way to put it but when you come to a new place you kind of have to assimilate to it in order for you to be you know for you to integrate into the lifestyle that that's there so when when you know when a Filipino comes here and they hear someone who isn't Filipino saying these things they they can't really get mad you know it, it looks bad if they're particularly sensitive to this or particularly sensitive to that you know part that punchline that everyone knows because Joe Koi said this you know all of that and I mean the best thing for them to do is is hide it. Mm-hmm. It's funny you brought up Micah because Micah, um, 
came from from the Philippines when when she was a junior in high school and to raise her hand to say that's funny I feel like that kind of is a representation of the many people the same people like um like in Micah's shoes and it, it also got me to thinking that why out of all the entire ethnicities like in anything that's funny related content Filipinos happens to be the number one at making jokes like there's no other race or ethnicity that I never see it's always Filipinos that I always see that's going viral yeah I do agree I mean as as I think it's a it's a prominent point to make the fact that you know we have a term for it the Filipino diaspora are the people who who span the world and because you know the philo not just the culture but the person is is global in a sense so it kind of makes the most sense why filipinos come up so often because i mean they're everywhere we are like anywhere you go like your next door neighbor is probably half filipino one fourth filipino yeah. you just you don't know it but so it's on so where i live so where my house is person to the front person to my left person one over from my left person diagonal diagonal to me both ways a few houses down as well so out of the maybe maybe 18 some odd houses along my block of those 18 i want to say like eight or nine households are filipino don't you live in kalihi i live in waipahu oh oh Wow. Yeah. Really random. <laughs> I know that was really random. Like I always thought you went to you lived in Kalihi because it would make sense. Yeah, no. I I've, I've always lived in Waipahu. So even in elementary school, well, not necessarily elementary school, but uh in middle school, me and two other friends, um we all live really close to each other here in Waipahu. So but we all went to school in Kalihi. So after school every day we'd you know bust it all the way home it's kind of like why would you do that but we all kind of have that same um reason being that our parents work in town so yeah so both my mom and dad work in clean no because the typical kind of stereotype also is like when you go school in town it's the school that i can think of you going to is like is a private school never a public That was so off-tangent, but continue. <laughs> oh, you're good. But yeah, I mean, Filipinos really are everywhere. So, I mean, it, I guess, kind of statistically speaking, it would make sense that we kind of come up the most. And again, it's, it's, I think there's a very fine line between, I mean, because I look Filipino, you know, my parents are Filipino, you know, some of the jokes are funny. Some of them are, are really not. Like, they get old. It's really annoying. Like the dog one. Yeah. Exactly that way. It's it's so old, but yeah. I mean, like it's so old that sometimes I even catch myself whenever I see a black dog. I always say I'm hungry, just to like make a kind of make a joke out of it because that's how kind of like annoyed and kind of tired I am like hearing that joke. Well, I mean, plus too, it's it's so old. It's so overused. I mean, it's it like it's it's no longer even. I mean, it's still a stereotype, but it's so ingrained. And so, like, uh, I can't think of the word. Well, it's essentially Filipino. That even though we're not the only ones who weren't like Filipinos are not technically the only culture who eat dogs. There's there's quite a few other Asian cultures that do it. Uh, 
I want to say it's Thailand or China. Someone has a like a dog eating festival or something. China. Yeah, yeah. So it's China. But I mean, we still get the brunt of it.、Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really like I I know that the dog thing. I know a lot of my Filipino friends hide the fact that it annoys them. But for you personally, like I know you mentioned it like so many times in the last episode and just talking in general that for you you don't really see yourself as Filipino and you see yourself as just a person. Correct me if I'm wrong. For lack of a better term, yeah, I think as far as I can I can describe it, that that's a perfect description of it.、Mm-hmm. You still love the culture. You still love the and appreciate the culture itself. But when it comes to trying to say that I am a Filipino, you're still in that. If I can like describe you in a way,、um, still part of that. I'm still trying to bridge my identity, kind of a thing.、Mm-hmm. That's a. I mean, I believe I talked about it in the last podcast as well.、Mm-hmm. But it was, it was kind of like、um, when. I can bring up Kuya Darren's video thing. That's kind of where it it really hit home. I was like, that's really relatable, you know. Not quite Filipino, not quite American. Somewhere in the middle, you know, like you said, you know, bridging the two in some way, shape, or form. I remember because the last presentation that we had for IP360, uh, when I think it was when we were all walk- walking around, and then I said, "Are you the same age as Kuya Darren?" <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then you and then you and Kuyadar started to talk, and then that's when you started to ask more questions, and then you kind of had like a just just conversation about like what he went through in in his college year. Yeah, and I felt like you guys do relate kind of a lot a lot like each other. I I do feel that I feel that、um, the way Kuyadar is going about. How he's kind of reclaiming his reclaiming, you know, his Filipino identity, or how he's going about it. It's it's a little, not even a little. It's a lot different than the way I'm going about it. I'm kind of more. I can't think of the word, but I mean, you know, Kuya Darren's actively trying.、Um, I I feel kind of more that I've kind of accepted it as is. Not that you know I'm too. It's not that I don't want to try, but it's you know it's that mentality that no matter how much I try, I'm I'm so. Far removed from it, that it's not. What do you, you know, mean when you to... say far removed from it? Because I feel like a lot of people like us have like a story deep inside of them that is yearning to be discovered. But it's, it's just there, there's some there's a little something to push you to、uh, kind of、um, get yourself to seek more, kind of a thing. <laughs> Um, so I mean, I brushed on this a little bit on the in the first podcast, but、um, so I wasn't particularly raised very Filipino. After my grandpa had passed away, there was very little. My parents didn't really speak Ilocano to myself and my sister.、Um, that's kind of why my sister learned. It's it was because you know my my grandpa was still alive. He passed away before I was born, so I didn't really get the same cultural enrichment. But、um, my grandma, when You know, I was growing up. She did not speak to me in Ilocano very much. My parents seldom did as well.、Um, the thing is that my sister went into ESLL, ESLL, sorry,、mm-hmm. uh, when she was in elementary school, and they kind of attributed that to the fact that 
my grandpa spoke Ilocano to her, so she would kind of mix Ilocano words into her English sentences. So she kind of got into that program. Um, I got into it too, but I don't particularly remember if I did the same. Pretty sure I didn't, but you know, that's a little off topic. But um, yeah, so after that, you know, my my um, interaction with the Filipino culture was very limited after that point. I mean, you know, still ate Filipino foods. Um, there's very particular uh, cultural things that we do. A lot of it still, you know, remained as just a language which happens to be, you know, one of the biggest. So after, you know, however many years, I think the next... So, I mean, even when I went to the Philippines, I visited a few times. Do you ever feel like you're <laughs> overrepresented or underrepresented? Um, in terms of... I'm sorry. Um, I'll say it kind of depends. Uh, in... It's kind of funny that you bring that up now because I was about to talk about when I go visit the Philippines. Because of how I was raised, I think it's also because of the way I speak. It's fairly proper. So when I go to the Philippines, it's kind of the the American in me is overrepresented. You know, I'm like when I go to the Philippines, everyone is very uh, keen to realize that I don't speak. I the last few times that I went, I couldn't understand anything. Last time I went was quite a few years ago. So I mean. A little bit different story now, but even then, even if I were to go now, it's still very obvious that I'm not very Filipino, you know, especially, you know, and you know what I mean? Like, if I'm there in the Philippines, they, they know. I don't even have to say anything. They're just like, you're American. Yeah, you're, you're proud. Do you think it's because there's this inconsistency which prompts you to, like, have questions about the way you're able to conceptualize your own identity? Short, yes. Um, really good um, example is so I had mentioned that a lot of you know there are very specific uh, Filipino cultural practices that remain that I was still taught mm-hmm. however um, when I first met my girlfriend's family you know their practices are a lot more prominent you know they're not encoded in American if that makes sense even though you know I was taught very certain Filipino cultural practices you know the, the underlying thing is that like it, it wasn't at its full potency I guess versus like my girlfriend's family they they all speak Ilocano you know they are Filipino so granted that I knew some going you know to go meet them for the first time even the ones that I knew had very were very bad. so even I knew the, the specific way that they practiced it was different than the way I knew it. So it, it still kind of looked like I didn't know. Do you ever have like conversation with your girlfriend about We do. She's kind of grown to understand the way I look at it. Uh, she has made it very clear that for her personally that you know, she would want to teach her the culture as well. The way I look at it, I'm very you know, indifferent to it. Mm-hmm. She thinks that's a good idea, you know, go for it. You know, it's great. Um, that before too is like, you know, there are the people who are making a conscious effort doing their thing and you know it's it's great to see you know it's not because just because the way i think of it's kind of strange i guess but you know it's not to say that i i don't think that it's a good idea to something that i can consciously do and get something in return out of it but for everyone else you know it's that it i don't know i can't put it into words i'm pretty sure like what i've said it sounds kind of stupid but no it's not (laughs) everyone's voice mad if i learn it still be very obvious that it was learned if that makes sense no matter how much i learn now i can go to the philippines and there's they're still gonna think the exact same thing of me 
regardless of how much I've learned, regardless of how much I've progressed in terms of speaking. That's kind of weird that... I'm sorry, go on. No, oh, you can go first. I can continue. Um, so we started this uh, episode talking about stereotypes, but it's kind of kind of, uh, kind of two steps forward, one step back kind of thing, that Filipinos also have their stereotypes amongst themselves, especially um, when it comes to the offspring of the Filipino diaspora. Uh, when Filipinos, you know, go out to different places, you know, their first generation, um, you know, their the second generation of those Filipinos in that area are now kind of this um, blend of both cultures. And then, um, you know, now all of a sudden, it's a byproduct of being born there. You know, you, you not only assimilate to the culture, but when you grow up, and it becomes something that you practice. It, it becomes part of, you know, your individual culture and not necessarily, you know, the one that your parents practiced. But and this being is, that it's mixed. Sorry. I'm sorry. And this is in terms of, like, the child being born in America? Yes. Okay, okay. You can continue. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not even just America. Um, I, you know, it, it's, you know, because they were born there, they pick up, you know, certain cultures. And it not necessarily removes one cultural practice and then adds it, but it's just it's just it's just a melting pot of so many cultures of, of you know two cultures that now even though the child was second generation, you know, his or her parents were both Filipino, very um, they are very quintessential Filipinos, but their kids will not necessarily be the same Filipino they are. Like they had a different upbringing i mean so that's kind of why um like relating it back to what i meant was that like because of the way i was brought up it it was a very kind of interesting blend i guess you can call it between american and filipino but just my blend happens to be you know with a higher concentration i guess american or well that's kind of what i think but like it's not to say i don't have any Filipino in me but because it's so blended in order for me to learning the culture would just be for me to just understand and appreciate it it wouldn't be necessarily to practice it's for me to you know know where I've come from and know, you know? where you stand pretty much yeah if- per- yeah so I mean because that's kind of why I'm saying like some people are very active in it Kuya Darren is a really good example mm-hmm. is that you know he's actively trying to find ways to be able to you know, communicate with his family He's trying to reclaim the Filipino of him that he had lost, you know. But for me, in learning, it's specifically to appreciate where I've come from. And like, so that's why it's like... And like, and to summarize, like, just what you said, it comes down with the idea that even though you have a strong sense of lineage and, like, you have a con- strong connectedness with your community, it's, it's like this example of... One thing I learned in class, um, you can have one person grow up in Hawaii and have the ancestry with a native Hawaiian and they all do the cultural practices, speak the language, they have all these things but they do not phenotypically look Hawaiian and also like you can have someone who grew up in a in a different state and their parents are full-blooded Hawaiian they grew up in America but they don't speak the language. It's the- it's that 
kind of argument between lineage and cultural practices. It's how it's like when you were explaining it, it kind of like brought the entire germs together. Yeah. So is is that what you mean by it? I mean, I guess you could argue that you know lineage would dictate your cultural practices because. As far as lineage goes, if your ancestors were Filipino, there's a good chance you know their practices were passed down. But in terms of culture, again, how we we had mentioned like kind of bridging between American and Filipino, you know the practices there will differ. But the 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 Filipino aspect of those two come from the lineage. I feel like it's an ongoing argument that a lot of. Sociologists are still trying to um, kind of bridge the the two between, mm-hmm. and it's people like you, Aaron, that kind of. I feel like you're not the only one that feels this way. I had it's mentioned it in the last podcast. Was, it was one of those things that, like, uh, uh, in terms of culture, like Filipino culture, as the diaspora expands, um, you know, it it evolves. There are certain things that may not necessarily have been Filipino, but are now considered part of Filipino now. So, I mean, that's that's another kind of part of it. And I think that, you know, the Filipino culture in particular, because of how far the Filipino has spread, you know, it's it, it becomes a gray line. Like what's Filipino in terms of our previous generation will be probably different than what the future generations will learn as Filipino for their previous generation. And I feel like some of the struggles that we go through, like I constantly are going through right now, it's because of the things that our ancestors never had it in their time. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's so perfect timing that with who we are now, like even if you start late, it's so important to really hear so many stories and help it bridge together. The topic of culture is just, it's such a complex topic that no matter how much I explain the way I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're gonna, you're gonna talk to someone else who, you know, on the same level of complexity will, you know, explain something completely different, but mm-hmm. no one is right or wrong about it. That's kind of why we have the stereotypes. That's kind of why we have this preconceived notion of what Filipino is because it's always it's always changing and it's there's no like concrete way to describe it so it's one of those topics that it'll never stay (laughs) constant like it's gonna change and you to say you also need to be able to be flexible and and not like to stay comfortable with it because in 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 lack of a better terms, that's why we have pop culture. Pop culture never ceases in. It always changes, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that kind of yeah. like defines culture. Culture never stays the same, but it, I guess we preserve culture. But there are some, when we preserve culture, people make it new. That's like what yeah. a lot of people do. Like, um, if did you meet Mana Rebecca? Um, her last name is Goldschmidt? Yes. Yes. 
like the things that she's doing with her thesis about like making indigenous plants into modern art um anything that she's doing she's literally making culture the way she's doing it like that's another way of putting it out there redefining filipino it's not always going to be the same if you actually don't mind yeah can i try to flip the script just a little you can i'm going to ask you something so you described what rebecca's doing as redefining you know how how would you put a definition to the difference between reclaiming versus redefining and are they the same now that you flipped the script i never felt so nervous answering the question <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean it, it's a uh, related to what we're talking about because i mean your whole the whole gist of your podcast is the reclaiming of filipino identity mm-hmm. but you know like and and that's the thing is that part of reclaiming it is understanding where you've come from and that's the part that you're reclaiming you know you're mm-hmm. reclaiming the lost stuff that you didn't fully learn but then there's there's the other side to it is that you know you're redefining the culture as you would call it your and i guess for me to answer that is that before we redefine something we need to reclaim it first so mm-hmm. it's the aspect of when you truly reclaim your identity and you, even if you're having a hard time understanding then you'll be able to say i reclaim it because of this mm-hmm. that's when you take take a step forward to say i want to redefine my identity because i feel strongly that it's not going to be the same mm-hmm. so just to kind of summarize what you said it's kind of like you can't make something if you don't have anything to use to make it yes well now now you know what it feels like to be on the other side of the script <laughs> no i mean talking about it kind of made me think too so i was i mean i can think all these things but i mean again part of your you know part of the um you know the, the reason behind your podcast is kind of hear everyone's story i mean your your story chachi is just as important as anyone else's so and honestly i'm in the process of writing my own narrative especially when it comes to my filipino identity because after hearing all of the stories this first season it made me realize how much my filipino culture means so much to me especially who i am when it comes to what makes me myself in a similar mindset like you i didn't want to be involved with my culture i want to run away from it i didn't even want to take IP364 like when i took it and then like class a semester started i wanted to drop it because i didn't want to be in the same class i didn't want to be in the same class to be in a room with filipinos but when i mm-hmm. went to the class just sat in i realized it's that's a great when place to be. yeah it's a great place to be and that's when the entire journey started and i realized that that became the next door of opportunities to really define Filipino. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to kind of, kind of, also going over what you talked about. Like, for me personally, I never like felt ashamed to take the classes. You know, despite all the backlash I received from my family. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I- I've never really had a problem, you know, expressing the way I feel. And you know, in turn of like because of that, I never really felt ashamed for the things that I wanted to do. So that's kind of why, to me, it was like. I guess it's because it's a different mindset. It was that like I was again it's cuz I'm so I feel that I'm so far removed from the culture that no matter what I do, you know, I can never really say it's mine. So that's kind of why the way I approached it was that I wasn't learning about my own. I was learning just something new in general. 
and I think that's kind of that that mindset like definitely helped me because I was looking at a perspective like say like looking at it as myself as the outsider learning about it it helped me learn more about it so like when when I decided to take Ilocano you know part of the um part of the reasoning was that my parents also spoke it so if I had you know issues I, I could ask them for help <laughs> um granted that even when my parents had mentioned it to my uh to like the other family members to my cousins and aunties and uncles and whatnot um some of them were kind of like oh you know it's because you didn't teach them or like referring to my parents not teaching me how to speak mm-hmm. um despite all the things that you know they had mentioned you know i, I never really felt ashamed of it you now it's kind of hey like it is what it is mm-hmm. and granted that because of that I, i never felt ashamed to say that i was filipino even though i didn't feel like i was but that's part of the reason why i never felt ashamed of it i guess that's also why i i guess that's kind of why i can say all of these things about myself because i kind of think about it that way we need think about you could say anything ab- about your self in that when i look up when i turn the tables around and i try to imagine myself i don't have the guts to say that about myself i do identify myself as filipino but And I still have that inkling in me. Don't like. I'm still trying to have a getting there, trying to accept being it. It's like two. It's like a two-sided kind of thing, like finding the bridge. I mean, it's kind of also like um, when we started this episode. You had mentioned like, do you think that Filipinos hide the fact that you know they're they're offended by certain stereotypes? So I mean, it kind of. You kind of answer that with that as well. In what way? Because I mean, not in the fact that you're hiding it, but that, as you said, you know, you're you're ashamed. But there, what was the reason behind that? Is it because, like here in Hawaii, that Filipino is a like a minority culture, and that you're ashamed that you are it? Or- I guess it's not that. I'm it, like Filipinos are a minority. It's more so I'm Filipino, and when I compare myself to the many different people that I meet who are Filipino, how do you? It's like I'm not. I'm like I'm Filipino, but it's just how do I come to terms with myself? I'm just like exactly like everyone is, like kind of a thing, like mindset. And one thing that always. Try to think about when I have this kind of thinking or mentality is, if I'm having this mentality, I wonder what someone else is having, and it's why, it's like every time like I would see in people in the mainland, mainly like California, when like I see them with their events and stuff, like they have friendship games, specific cultural nights, and I I look at I look back at Manoa, I look back at the different Filipino clubs here in the universities, and I'm just like. Why not consolidate into one and have like a, have a like cultural a big gathering? Yeah, like a cultural night. Like you know, like we have drama fest. Um, for Katipunan and Ilocano, why not just combine it to one and make it a Philippine cultural night? And in that way, it can also help other people understand our culture, know the dances, know this, have the the story behind it because people learn a lot when it comes to performances and also like we have picnics different picnics at 
the exact same time and I'm just like why Or not just yeah and then why not just make it into friendship games and have it pulled together because Filipinos is not about like the division it's about solidarity and can we just have like a friendship games with like UH um Shamanon Filipino Club HPU Filipino Club or HSOAHU Filipino Club have a friendship game there and then have all the Filipinos on the island together because that mm-hmm. makes it more like unified and that kind of reduces all of the stereotypes and everything because you're gathering people together and like the more you have people together the more the Filipinos in Hawaii becomes more like unified and that kind of reduces all of the stereotypes and everything because you're gathering people together and like the more you have people together the more the Filipinos in Hawaii becomes more like there are and like you're not ashamed and that's something that I'm really working on to like establish and propose because I feel like with that itself it it will really like help like a lot of people and the generation that will come after us and it's solely because I've been inspired at like, university in the mainland like why not ha- like Hawaii is a small island can we like do that as a change because I know like there's history behind why things are the way they are but we can change history very well said I do really agree Chachi that I think sometimes you should be on the other side of the record you have a lot to say as well I think a lot of people should you're not wrong on that one and I'm 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 really so I'm not gonna lie like even last time I thought about doing this but I figured that you know since you brought me back on it I was going to try to like purposely say certain things to get you to talk more it worked it worked I know I know it did it's kind of it's very refreshing to see you speak a lot more just in class you 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 had mentioned that you didn't want to talk that much but you should you have a lot to say a lot of people should hear it I'm I'm really sorry if I kind of got under your skin I figured that was the only way to get you to talk (laughs) you did no no you didn't you did it you did it you did it you did it um I would have to agree on you on that like if I would look back would take all the IP class I took I really wish I said something because I I am very um if group think was a disease I think I would have it because it's because I'm always ashamed of and I'm, that's that's one thing that's still I'm still learning to overcome even Manong Dean says it like that's why my participation is never high I have a lot to say but I never do say it and if Manong Dean if you're listening I'm sorry I don't say anything in class but I'm really thankful that I said yes to registering to Ilocano 451 thanks to Edmil for trying to get me to register for the longest and major for the longest that's good that, that's really good to hear Chachi I'm really happy for you and I think there's think? a reason why um, even though I was running away from my culture there's still its way it's still coming back up to me and that taking that leap to just take that IP class I met the right people that kind of grounded me to know that I have a voice when it comes to my identity and it, even if you're not Filipino like 
any other identity, the more you learn about your identity, the more you learn about yourself and like your capabilities. Mm-hmm. So you know the thing is with Philip is the fact that like more or less the more you put them down, the harder they come back or the stronger they come back. Yeah. So that I okay, this has happened a lot in the other classes that I've been in. And I'm pretty sure I look like a really, really rude person for saying a lot of it. But it made a lot of people start talking. It made a lot, you know, a lot of people who never really spoke, you know, speak up because I kind of, it's kind of giving you a reason to, you know, when, when you offend a Filipino, that's when they're not afraid to say they're Filipino anymore. You know, you're not wrong on that. That, you know, that the one stereotype that no one really fully understands about a Filipino is the pride they have as being a Filipino. No matter how much you say, no matter how much anyone says that they're ashamed to be Filipino, deep down, dude, they're they're damn proud. As soon as you give them a reason to show it, they're gonna show it. They're happy to be Filipino. As much as as much as I say I'm not, you know, shoot, mm-hmm. I'm proud. You know, I'm proud to say that that's where I came from. I'm proud to say that that's, you know, I'm not gonna say that's my culture, but that is. You know, that's where I'm grounded in. And you're right. You're right about all of the picnics. You know, there should be a some unified way of doing it because, I mean, that's how you get everyone talking. That's how you get everyone together. That's how you get it a point made when everyone's in mass, when everyone shows it. You know, to overturn the stereotypes, you have to show it in mass that that's not what it is. That, like, and, just straight dropped the mic. <laughs> and I mean, you know, you're 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 one of those people, Joshua. You're one of those people, you know, utilizing your podcast platform to show everyone, you know. And it's, it is, you know, one of the most noble pursuits that I've seen. You know, you're, you're doing the community a favor with what you're doing. You're showing what everyone else doesn't see. You're showing the sides that no one really knows because you know we're so hidden by the stereotype it's great to see that you're doing it, that you're gonna major in it because i mean majority of the time you know it's, it's one thing to major in it but when you have a passion for it that's something completely else so you're dropping like all the mics down here <laughs> thank you Aaron. i really do appreciate it on everything that you said i just wanted to like emphasize like when you said like the, the more you down on filipinos the more that they will like they will speak up my mom always raised me to say like don't be afraid to say what you have to say if someone is gonna it's gonna be like mean to you it's it's a platform for you to say that you don't have the right to offend me or to like belittle me down because my position is lower than yours and like that's one thing that i also seen in like the entire spectrum well, i mean again that's kind of what I like what you're doing is a really good thing because you're giving, you know, the people not of low in lower positions, but in unspoken positions, mm-hmm. you know, the chance to speak, the chance to be heard. And that kind of like is a great way to end it in a way. Do you have any any last words? Not really. Actually, no, I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> intend for it to turn out this way but i'm really glad it did i'm glad that in a way i was able to turn this episode into yours it is the season. so if you want a good transition for season two <laughs> start with yours started with the episode when me talking about parts of myself and then ended season one talking about myself <laughs> it's a great transition glad i could be a part of it <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you again. I'm really thankful, honestly. Like, you do have a voice helping people. You're like the a great advocate. I've been in a lot of positions, especially in a lot of, um, unfortunately, this has happened in other classes. Uh, my religion class has happened a lot, but I have a lot to say, and I'm, for the most part, not ashamed to say it. A lot of times that the things that I'm not ashamed to say make people a little upset but it does get them to talk and you know i'm i'm more than willing to be the the you know, devil's advocate to get everyone to say their view it helps people get out of their comfort zone and to break their shell mm-hmm. and you did today joshi i'm proud of you i'm glad that you were able to say it hopefully in other classes you will be too <laughs> yes next year as in 2021 or 2024 nice I did want to end with you talking in Ilocano in one way or another. I'm going to say once. Because you're, <laughs> you're not going to get away from it. That's fine. This is for Manong Dean, it's for Manong Nadine, it's for Manong Clem. Manong Ariel, too. Manong Ariel. Granted, I never actually had him for class, but I'm so sorry. Tinagan Kit Aaron. That's all I'm going to say. That's what, that's what he learned from the two years in Ilocano. Yes, that's what stuck. <laughs> but the knowledge that was ingrained in him is going to be endless. I mean, I took Ilocano to learn the language, but along with it, I learned a lot more things. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, be about myself, whether it be about the people teaching or the people that I've met. And with that said, I will be transitioning into my outro. I mean, kakabsat na adupay lang ti agdingdang ngagti na podcast ko kas ko mapay na adupay ti maadal tayo ti lengkwahe na Ilocano Kapampangan, Ilonggo Tagalog, Cebuano amin na dialect ti Pilipino ti lang advice ko kada kayo amin kahit haang kayo agbabain no kayat yo agadal ti lengguahyo kasi there is so much richness in our culture and even if it's hard like for me I have a hard time still trying to like speak Ilocano especially the deep ones I still try to because I believe that we are the future and those who will come after us if they see that we the generations that will come after them if they see how much we are so intrigued with our culture the more that we try to bring awareness of it they will continue this and honestly it will heal our our ancestor most especially because speaking history wise our ancestors may have struggled trying to get our culture out there and honestly the beginning of the podcast i did mention we can change history and it's not too late if you want to start learning your language, learn it today. And I believe that it is our culture that 
will make a difference. And honestly, this season, my first season of reclaiming Filipinx identity, it has been trial and error. And I can't wait to continue the second season with more Filipino Americans willingly ready to share their story because their story is valuable and important and it's a way to not only reclaim our identity but to redefine the Philippine diaspora and to give a little plug out there follow subtle Ilocano traits it will be a collaboration podcast with my peers in the Ilocano program and our first episodes will be released sometime this week and as always follow me at reclaiming Filipinx identity on spotify anchor and itunes and if i didn't mention it enough please support me on anchor.fm the link will be in the description below and also consider if leaving a voice message on my anchor fm if you want to be featured on the next season and lastly agyamanak kadakayo amin thank you and salamat erin for flipping the script this season this final season and see you guys again for the next season kita kids for the next one bye guys <laughs>